you were here last week, I, I gave a bit of an update on where we were on our building process. And uh, a lot of events have taken place in the last couple of weeks. It just seems that uh, God has kind of taken us down a little different uh, bit of a detour than uh, what we originally thought we were going. So I'm, I'm going to give you an update. Uh, uh, Lord has, has brought into uh, our realm just the possibility of purchasing Olivet, Olivet Church. Um, uh, again, some of the details were given last week. If you weren't here and you're interested in what was said last week, you can either get it on the, uh, uh, on, it's on our website, or, or else if you want, get a hold of me or somebody else and we can send you a hard copy or get you a hard copy if you're interested. But um, a lot has happened in the last week since the last time we talked. There's been three very important meetings that have taken place. First meeting that uh, happened last week had to do with the Olivet uh, Board. They met and voted unanimously to uh, proceed with the sale of their building to Cornerstone Community Church. So that was uh, certainly an answered prayer. All, all these meetings have taken place. You're going to see many answered prayer, prayers uh, uh, that happened as a result of them. But anyhow, the, the, board, the board of directors for Olivet has, has voted unanimously to sell their church to Cornerstone. On Tuesday night of last week, some of the uh, leadership here, some of the elders and deacons got together and just to uh, assess the financial feasibility of, what, of making this purchase, see if it's possible or not. Came up with a couple different scenarios, and not going not gonna to bore you or bother you with the details. Uh, they will be coming uh, soon at a, at a later date, but uh, we came up with some, with some scenarios that uh, we think it's very possible for us to to, to purchase this, um, this property. Uh, last week, I, I, I stated four different things that are really going to have to happen for this, for this to take place, and I'm going to review those again uh, this morning. So first of all, we're going to need new families here at Cornerstone to kind of spread, spread the wealth here a little bit. We're going to need to increase our offerings through, through uh, more giving units at our church. Um, we're going to need the current members maybe to kind of refocus or rethink about what they are currently giving and, and perhaps be able to give a little bit more. We're also going to have to implement a capital campaign and that's going to, we'll raise a large enough money that we can pay a significant fee towards, towards the, uh, the principal uh, to, to, to buy down our payment. Um, we also need to do something with our, our property at Water's Edge. Um, we're looking at all the options. You know, we, we have... Uh, opportunities to lease it, we have opportunities to sell it. So I just need you guys to be in prayer about this very important issue, whether just exactly what to do uh, with the property. Uh, everything is on the table right now for that property. We haven't tried to uh, limit it to one, one option or the, or the other. Um, but uh, uh, again, we're, ho we're hoping to set up a, a meeting here in the near future to, to give you guys details of what, what needs to be done. But um, we had another meeting um, uh, last week with uh, with the Olivet uh, the Olivet committee that that has been meeting, and, and again, it's an, it was an incredible meeting. It was very very positive, very God honoring. Uh, you just almost have to be there just to experience the uh, the attitudes and and the desires that were that were uh, evident in that meeting. But um, basically, we, we some of the talking points. I'll just give you a couple couple brief things. We, we affirmed to them that we were interested in purchasing uh, or pursuing the opportunity to purchase the building. And we were very honest and upfront with these guys on what it would take 
as those four things I, I noted to you, what, what it would take for us to proceed with that. So we're, everything was above table with them. Um, we talked about perhaps a time frame, and this is the exciting uh, part of it. One guy said, uh, how's June 1st sound? Now, that was, that was a, little bit, a little bit shocking to us, but the, uh, uh, so we're, we're actually pushing towards the date of July 1st with a with, uh, uh, possibility of uh, making all, all this happen. may not have all our ducks in a row, but that, that's our goal right now is 1st uh, first, first of July. Um, we talked about um, uh, an opportunity for us, for both our congregations to get together sometime. Maybe, again, details aren't out, ironed out, but it could be like a meet and greet type thing. Well, they've also invited and would like us to come over there and do a service at their facility. So that's something we're, we're looking at too. Some opportunity to get the two congregations together and uh, get to know each other a little better. Um, we, we know that the Olivet has, a, has a, a preschool, and there's a lot of questions in our last discussion with them just about what that brings to the table, how, is, how that is operated. Again, this was a lengthy conversation. We, just, we, we had more clarity, or better clarity, uh, after our conversation with them on, on what it takes to run it, um, what would be expected of us. Um, again, these are, these are things, more information will be coming to you as we as we continue to talk with these, with these guys. We talked about the facility and its upkeep. Um, building that size, 19,000 square foot, there's quite a bit of upkeep. Uh, they, they have on site all the equipment needed to maintain the exterior with lawn mowers and weed whackers and all that, so that's an expense that we wouldn't have to enter, enter into. Then they also currently have a janitor on staff that takes care of the, uh, the property. Um, not sure whether he's going to stick around for this. It's, again, that's one of those things we can be, be praying about, but um, uh, that, that's something, again, we can step into almost a ready-made situation. Talked about financing. I know this is, this is a key thing. Don't have a lot of answer, information, a lot of answers for you right now, but uh, we did talk quite a bit of, uh, about financing. You know, they, uh, they are um, in a good relationship with Earlham State Bank. We have set or they will be setting an appointment with them for some of our guys to go and talk to to the president of Earlham State Bank. President is a Christian. He enjoys helping out uh, uh, churches and Christian organizations. So uh, within the next week, the 10 days, we'll be meeting with Earlham uh, State Bank to see what kind of mortgage we can set up. So um, these are just some of the highlights. Again, now you know what we know. We don't know a whole lot more than, than what we've said. But you know, it's it's exciting time. We're all excited about this, and you know, as we're as I'm sitting in this meeting, and and it's hard for me to concentrate on the conversations going because I'm looking around, and you know, there's a kitchen that really works. You know, there's there's a, a, a chairs around in the auditorium. We don't even have to set up. There's a sound system that we don't have to carry in. You know, I'm I'm getting pretty pumped, and it's kind of hard for yeah. Larry's going yeah, <laughs> preach it, but you know, so they're just just in, in, incredible things, and and. Uh, um, we're, you know, we had an opportunity to talk about ministries that we could be involved in together, and that, that was the exciting part. And, and uh, so it's not all about building. It's about getting together and really getting about the, the business that God would have us to do. So um, we've got another meeting set up for, for the 30th uh, in, a, in a little over another week. So between now and then, what can you do? We need to pray for our brothers and sisters at all of it. This is a difficult thing for them. People have their lives poured into this to, to this property and, and this church. So let's let's be 
praying for them that we're sensitive to their needs. Um, let's pray for the upcoming meeting with the bank, to, that God would guide us and direct us in, in what we should be doing there. Let's pray that God will bring us new families in as, as we make this transition. We need to pray to see what, what uh, God would have you to be doing, not only financially as we're going to need to give above and beyond what we usually do, but as we take over another, situa- another uh, facility, you know, how can you help out in this facility? So uh, be in prayer. A lot of things that are going to take place in the next couple of weeks, but uh, great things have been happening. We're excited about this. We're pumped about this. Uh, just be praying with us. So thank you very much. That's awesome. We are really excited about the fact that that building and even Olivet talking so much about how they want that building to be used to advance the kingdom of God. We are excited about that because that's what we're here for, right? If you believe that, say amen loud. Amen. Yeah, awesome. All right. Um, right now, where's, uh, where's our graduates? Tremisha and uh, I almost called her Holly. Oh, no. Laura, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I should apologize for that or not. Cause, uh, anyway, give a hand to our graduates. All right, we're excited. Uh, we're excited. This is Tremisha Davis. She is graduating from Valley High School, and next year she's going to go to UNI. She's super excited about that. And this is Laura Grubb. Uh, she graduated from Emmaus Bible College, and right now she's, she's working on the future. Um, so we're going to pray for both of them. We're going to pray for them right now. And so... Um, if everybody right now could just raise your hands toward them as kind of a blessing uh, upon them, uh, we want to pray for that. So it's awkward, but just do it, because um, we want to bless them as a church. Uh, so let's pray for them. God, I just uh, I pray your blessing upon these two. I thank you that they have graduated and how good that must feel, um, and that you've allowed them to go on to the next step of their life. Uh, I thank you for these two women that um, they love you and that they want to follow you with their life, and I pray for Tremisha as she goes to college that that would continue, that she would get involved with the right people, and that she would, um, that she would follow your ways when she gets to that campus. I pray for Laura as she pursues what's next. Uh, just give her your favor and bless her in whatever she does. Um, I pray that they would love you and love people with their life. Um, we thank you, God, for them, and thank you for blessing them with graduation And uh, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, give them a hand. Thanks, ladies, for coming up. I just want to let you know that our offering is going to come around, but a little later on at the end. And there's going to be two offerings. The second one that comes around is going to be for our missions offering. Okay, it's going to go to some missionaries that we support. That's going to happen at the end. If you're a visitor, um, and when that offering comes around, and you want us to get in contact with you, just fill out, if you have a bulletin, fill out that, that flap in the bulletin and put it in that offering, and we'll email you this week because uh, we, we want you to learn more about us. We want to learn more about you. Um, so let's just uh, pray to start off before we dig into Scripture. God, I pray that I would serve well this morning. Um, I pray that you would... Help me to put my thoughts together. God, this is about what you've written in Scripture. It's about what you want to teach us. Um, so I pray that people are excited to be here this morning, that they're excited to hear from your word, um, that they're excited to learn and to go out 
and live as a part of the kingdom of God in this world. We love you, Jesus. We need you. Thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Now, I don't know how you, uh, what form of the Bible you bring to church, but get out your, your iPads, your phones, your actual Bible, um, and get ready. We're going to be in John 6 this morning. Um, you know, I want to I introduce you to somebody. He surprised me by being here this morning, so I'm going to surprise him by introducing you to him. But right over here in the green shirt, raise your hand, Ryan. This is Ryan Jorgensen. Um, he, is, he is in town. He has moved into town with his family, and he is planting a church called Harvest Bible Chapel. And they are currently meeting Sunday nights with their core group and vision meetings and stuff like that at Olivet uh, Baptist Church. And, uh, and in meeting with him this week, we, we, uh, we met for, for lunch, and we were really just challenging each other that the Bible is God's inerrant word. It is without error. And so having him this morning really puts the pressure on to get it right, because uh, he, just, he just really uh, drilled into me that we need to be, be truthful about what is in the Bible and not skip anything, not overlook anything, but look at Scripture for what it is and be truthful about it. So, if you take one note this morning, do this, okay? However you need to remember this, text it to your spouse, email it to yourself, or write it down right now. This is the title for this sermon. Okay, you ready? This is, if you remember this, hopefully you'll remember everything else we talk about. Okay, so write this down. To eat or not to eat? To eat or not to eat? If you can remember that this morning, there's two sections. This is a long passage of Scripture. We're really going to do uh, almost all of John 6, okay? Now, it's a long passage of Scripture, so I'm going to give to you what God impressed on my heart as I read this. And I just want to say from the beginning that I, gotta, I just got to give props to Kyle. There they are, right there. Um, there. Uh, because... When, you are, when you're going to preach, and he does most of the preaching here, and so when you're going to preach, it's a lot of just studying one passage of Scripture, and if it's a passage like this, feeding the 5,000, it's a passage that me growing up in church, I'm familiar with, okay? But when you've got to get down and, and deep into Scripture and study it, things come alive in Scripture that I just never saw before and that I never knew were there. And now, after doing that, your brain just hurts. It's like it is such a job to preach and to desire to get it right and, and relying on the Spirit. And so it is a tiring thing to do. Um, so I just, uh, I just wanted to say that because Kyle does it so often and he's doing such a great job bringing Scripture to us. And uh, we're just blessed to have him and all the other preachers that, that, uh, that talk about Scripture to us. There's two sections, two lessons, okay? All under the title, To Eat or Not to Eat. Two sections, two lessons. Okay, the first one, we're going to dig right into it, starts at John 6, 1 to 15. Okay, so what we're going to do is I'm going to read through this. I'm going to kind of set up the setting for you. 
from John 6, 1 to 15, and then we're going to talk about one lesson that we can pull from that. As we go through this, I want you this week to go back and read this chapter again yourself, because we are not going to hit everything. It's impossible to hit everything, especially because Raleigh just took half my time. So, you know, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, had to, I had to rag him about that, but um, we're going to hit two big things this morning. A lot of scripture to read. It's going to be on the screen if you need to look up there. So let's go through it. Starting in, ch- in verse 1. After this, what's after what? Well, if you look back in Luke 9, Jesus had just sent out his disciples. This is right before the same account in Luke. He had just sent out his disciples, and he describes it this way. I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. It's not always going to be glorious. It's not always going to be easy. But I want you to go out and evangelize the world around you. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to cast out demons. And so, at this point, the disciples had just returned from that trip that Jesus had sent them on, and they are tired. All they want to do at this point is rest with Jesus. They want to spend time with Jesus because they are tired. And Jesus wants to spend time with them because He loves them deeply and He wants to hear what His Father in the Spirit had done through them. And so after this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following Him because they saw the signs that he, had, he was doing on the sick. Remember a couple weeks ago, Alan talked about the fact that Jesus had made the point to people who were following him that you, you can't just follow me because you want to see miracles. It's not just about the miracles. The miracles were done so that you would believe in who I am. So it's curious that, that John puts this again in this passage to make that point. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Again, they wanted to spend time together and, uh, and talk a little bit. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. This is the second Passover okay, of three in a three-year ministry that Jesus would be a part of in his public ministry. And it was the only one that, was in, that he spent in Galilee. So these people were excited to have Jesus there. Um, Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he, he himself knew what he would do. He said this to test him. And a lot of times talking about the fact that God tests us makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Like God wouldn't test me, right? It's all about grace. He wouldn't test me. But here's the thing, when God tests us, He tests us to teach us. And if we fail the test, we don't have to sit in our guilt because of grace, but He wants to teach us through that test. Okay? For He Himself knew what He would do. Philip answered Him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. His first reaction is Jesus you're nuts. Like, I, that's eight months' wages for a fisherman. 200 denarii. Eight months' wages. And so Philip's thinking, that's not going to happen. I'm not giving up my lunch for all these people. It's just not happening. But Jesus, 
already knowing what he was going to do, had compassion on these people. Philip's uh, reaction is quite familiar to me. Right? Is it familiar to you? Jesus, you're nuts. I ain't doing that. That's crazy. I'm not. It scares me to death. That's familiar to me. I say it way too often when God asks me to do something. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down about 5,000 in number. Okay, Assuming that there was women and children with them, this was about 20 to 25,000 people. That is a lot of people. Okay, So just keep that in your mind. 20 to 25,000 people. Jesus then took the loaves, and when He had given thanks, He distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, He told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw that the, sign, the sign that He had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. What are they talking about? The prophet. Well, if you look back in Deuteronomy 18, it was prophesied that a prophet like Moses will come into the world. A redeemer. That's what they're talking about right there. And then this next part is such a comfort to me. I've read it over and over again, but it's such a good reminder to me. Listen to this, verse verse 15. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take Him by force to make Him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by Himself. I absolutely love that because it reminds us that this is not our home. Jesus was not at all interested in moving up through the ranks of earthly kingdoms because he knew he knew that he was already king of the kingdom of God. And so what category does that put us in? It reminds us that this world and all that it has to offer is not the end for us. That Jesus is our King, and His kingdom is not of this world. Isn't that cool? That just gives a lot of... This is... You guys are a tough crowd. That just... Isn't that cool? Yeah. That's comforting to me. I love that. When we, when we look at a story like this with a miracle in it, we often focus on the miracle itself because the miracle is the thing that really is most amazing to us. That's, that's why people were following Jesus. Because miracles were often, and people wanted to see them, we want to hear about them. But how does that re- apply to us? So this is where we get into really to eat or not to eat. I want to focus on the little boy. Okay, I want to focus on what the little boy gave. To eat or not to eat. Barley loaves and fish, and that, through research you find out that these fish were, were not very much bigger than a sardine. It was widely known that if you're eating barley and fish for lunch, you 
were poor. That was cheap food. Okay? So this boy was a poor boy. And what he does reflects a lot of, of the story uh, that Jesus tells, or, or th- that happened. It's recorded in Luke and a few other places, but I like the Luke account. It just says this. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. You see, it wasn't about the amount. It was about her heart that said, my lunch, what I have is small, but my God is big. Everything that I have, everything that I own, is God's anyway, so I'm going to give it back to Him. And so, this little boy, what did he expect? I mean, I don't know, it doesn't tell us. Did he, expect, did he just like Jesus a lot and wanted Jesus to eat, so he was willing to give up his lunch so that Jesus and maybe his disciples could have a bite of fish? I don't know. Did he know that Jesus could do a miracle? I don't know. But he did know that I am willing to give up my lunch to Jesus. Okay, He was willing to give up his lunch to Jesus. And Jesus multiplied it to feed 20,000 plus people. God loves... He absolutely loves and is overjoyed to work through His people. It is the main way that God chooses to work in this world. God could choose to work a lot of other ways. He can do whatever He wants. But this should give us a lot of energy knowing that through His Spirit, He wants to use you. Isn't that cool? He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me but He wants to use whatever it is that we bring to offer Him. He wants to. It overjoys Him. The boy at this point, remember, to eat or not to eat. The boy at this point, he could have. He had the right to take his lunch and eat it. Right? He didn't have to give it to Jesus. It would have been okay for him to eat it. It wouldn't have been sin for him to take the blessing that God had provided to him and eaten it for himself. But when he gave it to Jesus, what happened? He ate plus 20,000 other people. Now, I don't at all want you to think this. Because this is not a promise that every time that we give to Jesus, every time that we give who we are and what we have to God, that He will multiply it. That would be dangerous for me to say this morning because it's just not true. Okay? It's just not true. But it is an exercise in believing that everything that I own is God's already And when I give back to Him the promise that He does promise is that He will provide everything you need. So that when you give your lunch 
to Jesus, when you give your home to Jesus, when you give your life, your talents, what, who you are, who God has made you to God to use, everything that you give to Him, He will provide back for you what you need. But, when choosing to eat our lunch, what God has provided to us isn't a bad thing and it's a blessing from God. The question I had to ask myself is, do I want to see God multiply what I can give Him? Because there, even though there's no promise that God will multiply every time I give to Him, He promises that He will provide it back to me. Maybe, consider this, maybe we aren't experiencing God's power to multiply because we're eating our lunch rather than giving it to God. We're eating our lunch rather than giving it to God. At, uh, Justin, can you put that vision frame picture up there? This is our vision frame at Cornerstone. The mission is on the top, leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus Christ. Over here, we have our ministry values at the bottom. We have our strategy to involve all of you in worship, community, and service. But what I'm interested in right now is we are successful when. Those are our measures. That's how we measure how are we doing with the people that God has entrusted to us. And what are those things? We are successful when we, when we are worshipers, when we're missionaries. That doesn't, mean, that doesn't necessarily mean overseas. But when we are on mission, we are family, we are disciples, and we are generous. And I'm not just talking about your money. Obviously, we need you to be giving. God wants you to be giving to sustain, to sustain what we are doing here. We love that when that happens. But it's about opening everything that we are up so that God can use it however He wants. Do we want Him to multiply everything that He's given to us? He might not do it every time. But if we want to experience His power, are we opening our homes are we opening our cupboards? Are we opening our talents? Are we opening our wallets? Are we opening? Are we opening? Are we opening? Are we giving everything that we are back to God so that He can multiply it? So, lesson number one. To eat or not to eat. Are we experiencing God's power to multiply because we are giving our lunch to Jesus rather than eating our lunch? I want to transition to, uh, this is a long, this next section is a long section, so I'm going to read it all. Again, I want you to go back and read it yourself because there's so much more to get out of it than the point I'm going to make this morning, but the point I'm going to make this morning is my favorite, that's why I'm making it. Um, and so, when we pick up in verse 25, okay, Jesus has run, he's the running evangelist, runs away from all the crowds because they want to make him king by force. And so his disciples have gone out on the lake, and he ends up walking out on the lake to his disciples. Okay, so that happened, and then this is where we pick up. Let's go to verse 25. When they, who's they, the people, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill. So first, he challenges them, don't just come to me for the signs, because they are the reason that, we do, that I do signs is to point to me anyway, to point to my glory, for you to believe in me. And then, now that they're not coming because of the signs, they're coming because they want to eat, they're hungry. They're like, we want that guy as king, because he's going to feed us, and he can feed us out of the little we have. Okay, and he's saying, don't, don't do that. You've come to me because you think I can feed you. Which sets up the point he's about to make. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on Him God the Father set His seal. Um, okay. Lost it. Set His seal. Then they said to Him, What must we be doing... What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him who He has sent. He's saying, they're saying, what do we have to do? What do we have to do to be doing the works of God? Jesus says, nothing. Nothing. You believe in Me. It's it's about the Son of God. You believe in Me. In me. It's about grace. Uh, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him who has sent me. So they said to Him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it it was not Moses that gave you bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to Him, Sir, give us this bread always. I don't know if they understood at this point. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to Me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in Me shall never thirst. It sounds like a lot like what he said to the woman at the well. Drink this water and you'll never thirst again. Love that. All that the Father gives me, um, yeah, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that He has given me but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks at the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise Him up on the last day. Thank you, God, for that. So the Jews grumbled about Him because He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he say now, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, don't grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will be taught, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God, He, the bread of life. No, He, sorry, He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. 
Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. This is like, this is like about to get cultish on us, right? Just think about this. If, you, if you're not a studier of Scripture, if you're talking to someone that doesn't know Scripture and that doesn't know the way that Jesus worked, this is about to get freaky weird. Okay? Just listen to this. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For he will eat my flesh, he will eat my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as He taught at Capernaum. Their minds were so set on the physical, the here and now. What can we see, feel, drink, be satisfied with? So when Jesus says, and Jesus is already on the spiritual level. He's on the soul level. He wants to pierce to their hearts so that they will believe what He is saying. But if you read this and you're still on that physical earthly mindset, you'll never understand that Jesus wasn't asking them to kill Him and eat His flesh. That's essentially what happened. They ended up crucifying Him. But Jesus was saying, I want you to think outside of your own personal desires for pleasure right now. To eat or not to eat. This is number two. Are we more concerned with temporary, immediate pleasure? The physical, the here and now. Or are we concerned with eternal pleasure? The joy of eternal pleasure is that when you have Jesus as your Savior, eternity is now. And through the Spirit, we're able to stop thinking about life in terms of what will pleasure me now. We get to start being fully fulfilled in God now and for the rest of eternity. Isn't that cool? Now, if you're like me, if you have kids, you'll hopefully um, identify with this. But when we go out to eat, actually when, just when we eat at any time, I am always willing to share my meal. Like, I'm willing to share the meat. Well, maybe not the meat, I don't know. But the vegetables I'm willing to share. Kids, share my vegetables with me. You need them. They're healthy for you. I hate them. Share them with me. Do that, okay? But when it comes to dessert, oh, no. You ain't getting my dessert, all right? I know 
I know that this dessert right here, I'm about to eat anything. It could be any dessert. If it's labeled dessert, I don't care what it is. They ain't sharing with me because I love dessert. So what do I do? I say, I know that this is bad for you. I know that this is horrible for you. But if the only way for me to eat this dessert in peace without you asking me for some, I'll give you your own. You can have as big of a piece as you want because you are not bothering me while I eat this dessert. You know, I thought this was going to be funny when I was preparing it, but y'all are tough, man. Wow. All right, dessert is like, it's, it's just my thing. And so, even when we know it's bad for us, even when we know that it's bad for the people around us, we desire and we want what's going to give us pleasure right now. And Duck Dynasty fans, raise your hand. Well, I know there's more than that in here. Duck Dynasty fans, okay, if you're not, you need to be. It's awesome. It's funny. Uh, but Willie, Willie I, saw, I saw a little interview with him one time, and he had his Bible. That's all that he had with him at this interview. And he said, I have been from one end of really the world to the other. I've met a lot of really, really, really rich people. Not saying there's, at this point, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being rich if you use it for, for God. He met a, l- a lot of really, really rich people. And all of those rich people are about the saddest, most depressed people I've ever met. But what do I know? I know this. I know this. And God's Word gives me what I need now. I know that God's Word gives me satisfaction now. You see, Jesus says that we are spending way too much time worrying about what we eat physically and not spiritually. Here's a question for you. Do you remember what you ate like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Anybody remember that? I'm not, you don't have to answer that. Just answer it in your head. Because I don't. I usually just go through and I'm like, I'm hungry. I need some energy. I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat something. So I eat, right? I don't always remember what I ate that day. The point is, I needed that food at that moment to get me through that day. My body needed that nourishment. I was tired. I was worn down. And I ate and it gave me food. It gave me energy. It's the same thing with eternal things. It's the same thing with things of God. How often are you spending time thinking about Jesus and spending time with Jesus and wanting more of Him? Because what He does is He feeds your soul. And your soul, your spirit, needs that nourishment because if it doesn't get it, it's going to start to wither away. And sometimes we don't even realize it. We realize it on a physical level because we're hungry. We can feel it. The challenge is, are we hungry for Jesus? Are we hungry to know the Bible? Are we hungry for eternal pleasure? To eat or not to eat. This pervades, this saturates most world religions, save true Christianity. We live in a world of karma. Even the people came to him and what, said, what are the, are the works of God that we need to be doing? They thought, if we do this, we'll get this. But what does God say? His world in His kingdom is a kingdom of grace that God gives salvation 
freely through Jesus. To eat or not to eat. Two things. Remember that. To eat or not to eat. Number one, are we experiencing God's power to multiply by giving Him what we have? Or are we eating the lunch that He's given us? Neither are bad. One's better. Are we experiencing God's power to multiply by giving Him what we have? Or are we eating the lunch? And number two, to eat or not to eat. Are we concerned with immediate and temporary pleasure in this world to eat, to be fulfilled here? Or are we seeking eternal fulfillment in Christ? Not to eat the pleasures of this world. To eat or not to eat. And really what Jesus is calling us to here, Tim, you and the band can come back up. We're going to transition into a time of communion. And this really falls under the to eat or not to eat as well. But when Jesus says there's still some, there's still some churches that believe that when you pray over the communion table, the bread actually becomes the flesh of Jesus. And the juice actually becomes his blood. That's called transubstantiation, unless you're one, in case you're wondering. It made me sound smart. But Jesus is trying to get us away from thinking on a fleshly level to what is going to feed our souls. So, Jesus, it all comes back to this table. Jesus is saying, This, as often as you do it, this is my body. Remember what I did for you. This is my blood. It's a symbol of these things so that we can get out of the fleshly mindset and into the Jesus eternal mindset. So, as we sing these next few songs and as we spend time remembering Jesus, let's take a moment now and hopefully this will launch us into the rest of our week to stop thinking so much about fleshly, earthly desires and to get our minds set on the reason that we come here anyway. Because without this moment right here, none of it is worth it. Amen? This is awesome. So, I'm just going to pray, and we're going to spend some time worshiping our King together. And near the end, Tim will tell us, and, and the offering will come around during the last few songs. But let's pray together. God, it's all about You. I pray that Everything that You have given us, we know that we can't outgive You. We pray that we would be willing to think on a heavenly level and not an earthly level and to give You our lunch and watch to see what You will do with it. Jesus, we're here now to remember You. God, thank You, Father, for sending Your Son for us. Shift our mindsets to think in the heavenly realms of eternal things, of eternal pleasure, as we remember the reason for it all, Jesus sacrificed for us. We love You, God, and we need You. In Jesus' name, amen.